A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast, episode 26. Today, tonight, I'm going to be talking with Steve Brunn, veteran NFBC player, all-around amazing dude. What an incredible memorabilia collection, if anyone wants to check out. He doesn't have too many pictures on Twitter, but um, phenomenal collection of memorabilia. Really big time baseball fan which is who we're connected to right now you know um meeting all these wonderful people and talking fantasy baseball strategy it's really cool it's really something i get to focus on and enjoy the growth i'm experiencing as uh, a fantasy baseball analyst as a player as a human in general which I feel like is great. It's good for my soul. Anyway, let's go Mets. Super excited about the news today that my my favorite baseball team is making some moves. Gained Francisco Lindor and Carrasco in a trade today. There's no reason not to be pumped. I know you don't win the championship in the offseason, but... You know, this is not like signing Ben Coleman and Bobby Bonilla. This is this is pretty big stuff. Pretty excited. The owner wants the fans to enjoy a good product and to be able to watch competitive baseball. And that's pretty much all you can ask for. So, um, yeah, so me and Steve talk about some recent news. We talk about... NFBC strategy for draft champions, main events, cut line, format. We also talk about the current draft champions that we're in together right now. Um, as well as some of his memorabilia stuff. ton of good stuff involved. He has some really great little nuggets and some pretty cool practices and um, things that he follows. Approaches that he follows, including religiously mining the news and writing down anything he's found in his little notebook, which I think is very good advice for people to just constantly write down things that pops into your brain when you listen to a podcast or you're reading an article. So we'll get into that. We're also going to debut a new feature to the podcast on tonight's show. Um... And this is going to be kind of a recurring theme for every podcast. Um, very good friend of the podcast, Mr. Phil Dusso, the robot himself. We're going to have a cool little segment where Phil will be talking about stats and 
what kind of metrics are pretty much in the news in fantasy world, maybe metrics or stats that, that we're debating or talking about how much greatly influence a player evaluation. And Phil is being the data-driven analyst that he is, you know, back-test some data on specific metrics, and he's going to explain it in quick one-minute segments on whether we should be using it in our valuations um, and how much it really moves the needle mathematically. So, pretty cool. Um, I'm excited. I know he's excited. I'm excited for him to get to put out some good content. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's that's it. It's going to be called The Robot. Is it real? And it's going to be a cool little segment that's going to be infused into... Hopefully every pull hitter podcast will see how much we can make and if we get some good feedback on it. But I think we do. I think a lot of this is going to stir up some good talk. So probably the longest intro I've had. Um, but yeah, with that being said, we'll get right into the episode with Steve. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. All righty, guys. Welcome to the pull hitter podcast. Tonight I am joined by Steve Braun. How are you doing tonight, Steve? I'm doing great. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for joining me. It's been a, a wonderful day as a Met fan. Um, you know, very exciting. Uh, I was like trembling um, in the car when I I saw the news, and then and then I seen Carrasco. Like I was trying to read while I was driving. I had it up in the mountain. I'm like, oh my god! Like I need to pull over. I actually pull over because it's wanted to like read everything. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know, getting Lindor and Carrasco. Oh, it's just fantastic. So I know you're a big Yankee fan, right? I am a Yankee fan, but this, you know, as a baseball fan, this is great to see the Mets being active and involved in the big names in baseball, having an owner that cares enough to put his money out there and really do it for the fans because bottom line, he's a fan. He's a, he's been a Mets fan his whole life. So isn't that amazing? He's living the dream. He's living the dream. That's 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 an amazing dream. That's uh, become a Met fan and then just grow up and buy them and then just start making moves like like we do in fantasy. He's making in real life. <laughs> exactly, and we can only dream of that one day. But he is doing yeah. it, and it's, it's big, just fantastic. Yeah, it's good. It's it's on the on the talent aside. It's just good to have an owner just like who's you feel comfortable with you like wow this guy gets it he you know he's gonna go out and he's not gonna leave these guys empty-handed he's gonna he knows he's got windows with a degrom and he's okay let's go get it you know and i'm super super excited especially about lindor you know and especially too like watching mlb network today just you know they were showing some stats on him that wasn't really aware of like the like the 33rd um the 30 homer seasons for shortstops he's like fourth all time with three behind like a rod tahada and banks you know and it's like wow like yeah, I mean, when, when you impressive. start getting into those names, you realize just how good this kid is and how lucky Met fans will be to be able to see him for hopefully 162 games plus right. whatever they sign him for an extension because money shouldn't really be an issue. It's just if he wants to stay in New York. Right. I, think I was impressed. With, get him yet. I was impressed with him too when um, during, during a short season when Plesak, um got, you know, got, got the positive test and acted pretty much like irrational and he he was vocal about it he 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 was like this isn't this isn't acceptable 
you know, and no, he's a and, leader. Right. Right. And I like that, you know, um, his teammates say the same thing. It's even, even Carrasco, they, you know, they said that they're just clubhouse, like, you know, models, like studs, you know, so you get the double bang, you get the talent and guys who, who want to go out and win. And they didn't want to be spiders. I heard or whatever they're going to call them. Yeah, I, I, they, I saw somebody put on uh, Twitter, the Cleveland cheapskate. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's they're going to the guardians. They're going to, they're going to love playing meaningful games all summer long. And right. as long as we can get fans in the stands, you know, the Met fans are going to be out there in full force cheering this team on this summer. Maybe they can even take a gamble. They'll commend Kluber to take some less money and Mets take a shot at him too. Who knows, right? I, I, I was reading something like showed like his possible arc into like what Smoltz did, where he went into the pen, maybe reestablished himself and get back as a starter. And it, it was a pretty interesting, you know, kind of, you know, analogy for that, you know? Yeah, any top-notch starter that goes to the pen, it seems like it's just a good move, even if it's temporary, just for him to regain some arm strength, because obviously the last two years have been a disaster for him health-wise. But I, I had seen that we're talking on MLB Network maybe about trying to trade for Sonny Gray. I don't know if I would go that route. Gray didn't do so great in New York. Right, yeah. I, I would still, you know what, I, I'll still welcome it if, if the, cause the Reds are, I don't know. Uh, that's, they went, they just about faced so quick. What happened that that's crazy how they they tore it down so fast because yeah. that that team looked like it was primed to make a good run. Even this year, I thought they would still have a good chance, and looks like they're breaking it down and going to start all over again. Right. So tell me about you know, the path of baseball into your life. You know, when did you first start playing? Was it like been involved in your life for your whole life, your whole existence, like me? Ba- baseball's been in my life forever. I've loved it from the time I was five or six years old. It's always been the steady thing in my life. I played it as a kid, played adult softball until I was 31. It's just been what drives me every night when I come home to stay up until one, two o'clock in the morning, listen to Vince (laughs) Scully before he retired. You know, I would get home from work at 10 o'clock, throw the Dodger game on, listen to Vin. And there was, it was like paradise. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Isn't it, isn't it great? It's, you just captured like such a simple um, time, like thing to do right back in the day. I remember too, like my brother would just be in his room with the radio on, you know, and I was little and I was like, it's such a great thing to like, not even watch it. Right. And you could get so immersed in it just by listening to the call, you know, it's, it's the best. It it really is the best. There's no sport like it. I mean, I think, those of us that like it like this realize it is the greatest game in the world. It's just what we do. We live it. We breathe it. We eat it. We consume it as much as we can. Absolutely. So you said you played adult softball. Um, What was your, I'm going to go with a number three batter. Am I right? Nope. No. Number two. Number Um, two hitter. Ooh, a two two hitter. Yeah. Like, like Jeter, huh? Uh, spraying the ball everywhere or spraying or? the ball everywhere. Yeah. Nice. I like yeah, it. Not much of a power hitter, but definitely, you know, contact, move the runner over. Yeah. Especially when I played baseball, that was my thing. I was a two hitter. I, I hit behind the runner. I was the prototypical two hitter. Interesting. I am not. And, and, and as you could tell by my, my name, the pull hitter, I, 
I could never hit the ball the other way, Steve. <laughs> I had guys play over the bag on third base, and literally the left fielder would stand on the left field line. And yeah. I would still – I wouldn't even try to go the other way because I wasn't good at it, you know? Like, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's just like, I can't go that way, so I'm not going to. I never really applied myself to try to do it. Uh, when when well. did you stop playing, or are you still playing? No, I'm not still playing. I stopped playing probably when I was around 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. Once I picked up a different type of job where weekend games like was overtime instead at work, it became too difficult for me. And, yeah. but I wish I never really left it, you know? Um, but you know, at I, some point your body just breaks down. too. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. I, I'm older than you are. So I feel it every day. So, so I, I, I know to enjoy it still. My daughter's playing. So oh, I get right. to enjoy that. Yeah. That's, so awesome. that, that's cool. So right. I, I guess, and she's nothing like me. She's a battle She's more like it, you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Good to know that. That's great. So I know when I first um, started um, talking to you on Twitter, I really, you know, got to look at some of the memorabilia that, that you had in your pictures and stuff. And uh, you, you have a pretty impressive display. So like, I just, just walk me through how you got into that and, and, you know, how you gained such a, a massive collection of amazing stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, my first meet and greet was with George Foster when he was with the Mets. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Was that 84, 83? I'm not even sure when. But I wasn't really into it so much then. But I do remember that. I still actually have the photo. And somewhere around like 18 and 19, I just started saying, hey, I can get a piece of the game this way. I'm never going to you know, be in the major leagues. Uh, I'm never going to be around the game like that, but I can have a piece of the game. And I met my now wife when I was 19 and she started going to shows with me, getting autographs. Uh, we took our first trip to Cooperstown in 99. I, I was blown away, obviously, by the memorabilia in Cooperstown right. and started going to more and more shows than had kids <laughs> and stopped going to shows. <laughs> Put it on hold for a little while. And but didn't stop going to Cooperstown, believe it or not. My wife was like seven months pregnant and we were in Cooperstown for reduction weekend. And just the the part of meeting baseball royalty, I, I've had the good fortune of meeting over 70 Hall of Famers. Wow. And yeah. And it, it's most of them don't care or are there and go through the motions. But for the. 10 or 15 of them that really get it and are really good about it. It's such a great experience to just stand there and have a five minute conversation or a three minute conversation with a Barry Larkin or a Tony, the late Tony Gwynn, oh, even man. Eddie Murray, even that, Eddie Murray man. was fantastic. Really? Yeah. Wow. I had the same experience with Barry Larkin. He, he we, me and my brothers would get tickets for, uh, for Met games right in the third baseline, right in the first row. And box of four was like 60 bucks in 94. Oh my God. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, I, you know, and Barry, Barry Larkin signed for hours every time. Every yeah. time. I, I, I had about three or four balls of him. Just I, I, at some point, I just stopped getting them because it was just like, just to talk to him, you know. But like right. you said, and I, I love how you brought up how. Cause there are a, a bunch of guys who are really like bag the shit about it. Like they're, they're yeah. just disgruntled and whatever, just like, I'm here to sign autographs, stop asking me questions. But for that, 
that one guy that does give you his time and a piece of him, it, it's priceless. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's what you do it for. You know, it's right. nice to display the stuff, but those, those interactions, those quick interactions, but they're, they're your memories still. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I feel the same thing about collecting cards. So my brother was big into that and he, he would go to conventions and he'd come home and he'd, he's like, all right, so open up these cards and we're going to, you know, put them in alphabetical order and then, you know, alphabetical order by team. And, you know, he's like, go through a box and, you know, you could have like three cards or something, you know, like I remember that, but like, I remember people like, even after people like, Oh, how the price of this like little cardboard, you know, rectangle. I'm like, it's, it's, it's the price that you have that experience of ripping the card open or going to a convention to get the card or getting it signed by a guy. It's the experience, right? It's like, that's Absolutely. something, right. That's it. It's, you can't put a price on that. No. And you know, the value is what it's worth to you. Right. Absolutely. You know, what the book value is, is one thing, you know, I don't think I've ever collected for the value of it. I'm collecting things that I enjoy. Right. And you told me that you're one of your favorite guys is Andrew McCutcheon, right? It is. It is. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Why did he become one of your guys that you like to um, collect? From his days in Pittsburgh, just reading up on him on how he was just still a regular guy, even when he was winning the MVP, even when, you know, he was the best player on that team for a long time. He just seemed to understand the game, understand the interactions with people, being a good diplomat for the game, right. just playing the game the right way for the most part. So, and I got to meet him, which was pretty cool too. Yeah, I say that's that. Is that your that's your pin picture, right? I think it is my pin yeah. picture. Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I remember first. Okay, I thought, who is that? I'm like, oh, that's McCutch. So that's cool. That's cool. So, um, how how do you go about um, like getting the memorabilia? Do you have like a local store that you deal with, or do you get some stuff from online now? Um, pretty much right now. Obviously, nobody's publicly signing. There right. are still players signing privately so that that's still an, an avenue you can definitely look into but for the most part i enjoy just doing it in person i have purchased things from steiner sports when they were in business which is now fanatics right. and i've done that but i try to stick to the companies that i can trust like steiner sports major league baseball sells through their auction site and their team uh sites so you, know, right. you, you don't want to spend your hard-earned money and realize you got nothing for it. Right, right. And those live events are really the best. I I, I grew up going to um like all the fan fest. My my brother started working in the in the trade show union and he um early back in the day used to have the Yankee Fan Fest at the New York Coliseum. And um, you know, we would go there and you know, like go behind the curtain it was like seeing all these guys i'm like wow and just getting in line to like you know i remember jim layrich walking in with his big hat his big cowboy hat and his yeah. like you know this his his drop that gorgeous blonde wife or girlfriend they're like he, he was he was a character but just those interactions just like those waiting the waiting online for two hours for you know guys just to get up to the table and say hey you know snap that picture and like now it's so much easier like now you can actually take you know a phone picture like back in the day you just like you yeah bring back in the day you're passing your cameras down and it was definitely a little bit more cumbersome now it's quick boom and you get to enjoy it yeah yeah that's awesome man that's awesome um so if 
if you would to give any advice for someone like getting started on, you know, collecting memorabilia and stuff like that, what, what would you, you know, what would you tell them? My first piece of advice would be collect what you like, not what you think is worth the most money. Yeah. Value is, you know, nice long-term if you want to pass it down to your kids, but your kids probably aren't going to care about it. So collect what makes you happy. <laughs> they, it, yeah. Collect, collect what makes you happy. If you get to do it in person, it's even better because then you're getting to meet players, you know, that you grew up maybe idolizing or uh, some of the greats of the game now or some of the greats of the game 30, 40 years ago. Well, Steve, you're going to be a part of uh, a first of its kind on the Pull Hitter podcast. We have a, we're going to have a special break here and I'll our friend, our special friend, Phil Dussel, the robot himself, he is going to give us some wise wisdom. And this segment is going to be pretty consistent in the future on the, on the Pull Hitter podcast. Phil's going to come on and it's called The Robot. Is it real? This is the robot is it real segment where the robot himself Phil Dusso talks about random baseball stats. There's been a lot of talk recently in the industry about whether we should be using K per 9 and walks per 9 or K percentage and walk percentage. K per 9 is the number of strikeouts that a pitcher will have per 9 innings. So a pitcher who has 9 K per 9 will strike out a batter per inning on average. K percentage is simply the percentage of batters faced that a pitcher has struck out. As an example, a pitcher who faces three batters in an inning and strikes out all of them will have 27k per nine and 100% K rate. Now, if a pitcher strikes out three batters in an inning, but also gives up three hits, he'll also have a 27k per nine, but only 50% K rate. I look back at all pitchers who threw more than 80 innings in consecutive seasons since 2010 to find out which of these stats is more predictive. If I'm trying to project the pitcher's strikeouts and walks the following year, both stats are as predictive. But if I'm trying to project the pitcher's ERA, then the K-walk percentage is about 7% more predictive. So which one should we use? If you're talking about a pitcher's ability to strike batters out and his control, then the K per 9 and walks per 9 are just fine. They're as predictive and they're much simpler to use. But if you're talking about a pitcher's overall skills, then the K-minus walk rate is the much better metric. Let's talk about fantasy. When did you start right. playing? When did you start playing um, any, no, any time, a home league or anything? My first experience was in 1992. A home league. I was working at a part-time job as a kid at a local pharmacy and the owner there had this thing called fantasy baseball league that he ran. And I was like, what the hell is that? You know, I don't know anything about this. He starts explaining it to me. I was like, I'm a stats guy. I love this. And from 92 on completely hooked. Having this year started running my own home league in 95 and was still going strong. What kind of league is it? Uh, the format and everything. My, my league that I run is a 15 yeah. team mi mixed auction. We use the NFBC roster. It's an in-person auction. We, except for last year, of which we did it online. But it's always been an in-person auction. We get together usually the Saturday before the season starts, lunch spread, breakfast spread, mm. and you know usually rent out a hotel, 
a banquet hall or something and mm-hmm. just just spend six, seven hours drafting because the that's the best day of the year anyway. It's the best. It's the best. Those days are the best, you know. There's just... nothing better. And I love the auction. To be honest with you, the auction is my most comfortable format. Snake draft for me was like foreign when I joined the NFBC. I was like, oh, I, I, I got to wait how many picks until I get to go again. <laughs> I can have both of these guys if I want them. So that, right. that took a lot of adjustment. Right. It, I love auctions too. I love auctions. What what kind of auction drafter are you? Are you uh, like a stars and scrubs kind of guy? Oh, sorry. Before you answer that, um, yeah. it's it's a redraft league. It is a redraft. Okay. Okay. I I actually also now help run a uh, keeper league, but our longest standing league is an auction. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's a redraft. Gotcha. So go ahead. Yep. Uh, I sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, um, no. All, all good. Stars and I scrubs. A, I'm not straight stars and scrubs by okay. any means and i'm not a spread the risk i'm usually one or two stars as usually one pitcher and one hitter or two hitters a lot of times i like to live in that like starting pitcher say 13 14 15 range mm-hmm. and i'll take i'll take like 15 and 18 something like that you know if you were ranking them but i i i'm a boring drafter I just am. I, I don't take a lot of risk. I'm not the one that's going to bid up the newest rookie. It's just I'll take what the room gives me. I'm happy with that. And if you want to give me the old boring guy, I'll take him. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. The those guys are, you know, they just they just get it done year in and year out. They get it done and you're usually not paying the premium. You usually don't have to jump a guy two rounds or, or jump a guy four or five dollars over what you think he should go for. He, right. If anything, you're, you're getting the op- the opposite. You're getting a bargain usually. So right. That's- I like doing, sometimes I found myself splitting up stars and scrubs and spread the risk between like pitchers and batters. Like for pitchers, I like to like to spread it and, and, and throw myself maybe, you know, three, three, Fifteen to twenty dollar pitchers, or fifteen to twenty, you know, like in that range, fifteen to twenty five, and um, stars and scrubs my batters, you know, that I might be rotating, like or dropping, you know. I like I I like being attached to the one dollar guys I'm gonna drop, you know, because there's there's some years where I had, you know, I didn't get dollar guys. I just ended up with a lot of threes and fives, and I went up to get them, and then but when it came point where I'm like, well, there's a better guy on the on the wire, my brain had a hard time going, but I spent five dollars for him, you know. So now, now I make sure I have dollar guys, you know. <laughs> right, and, and you realize also the difference between that one dollar guy and the three dollar guy usually isn't anything. It's just somebody else had two, bid two, and then you got stuck saying three because you wanted them for a dollar, but you had the extra money. So right, right, I, and that's that's why there's the old uh, start at two, right? You get absolutely. You got, yeah, Absolutely. that's a good strategy, right? You'll start I've, it too. I've done that. I've, I've jumped it. And sometimes you just put other guys in the room on the defensive. They got to think quicker. Hey, do I, I want to go $5 higher than I just said? So I, I try to, on auction, I try to mix it up. Sometimes I'll go back and forth with somebody. Sometimes I'll just go straight to the price I'm willing to pay. And if I'm $3 over what they were willing to pay, so be it. I, I got my guy at what I was willing to pay. Right, right. I, I, I get mad. At, at my draft room when you know someone throws out you know Mike Trout for a dollar like 
just start off at 30, dude. Like, yeah. come yeah. on, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are right. you like, I almost wanted to throw them out of my house. Like, come on, don't, that's, that's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, at least, at least start it at 30 because you know it's going to wind up at 40, 45 anyway. So let's yeah. just get there. We don't have to go one, two, three. My, my worst getting stuck with a guy ever, like my worst bit up ever. Uh, I've gotten stuck with a couple of guys that I was bidding up and sometimes it was like, ah, oh, shit, man. You know, maybe I had too many IPAs or whatever the case was, but my worst one ever was Coco Crisp. I, it was coming off his great year and I, I really wasn't in, in on him and I already had a lot of speed on my team and I, for some reason drafted him for like a ridiculous price. And I remember it too, because my, like I wrote it down and I looked up and my brother was looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, shut up. I don't know. <laughs> that was a, <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's the best feeling though, when you bid on somebody and you know, it's a mistake and you're like, just please somebody say something, please. And you're sitting there and then all of a sudden like going twice, you know, come on, come on, please. And then you hear a bid from the other side of the room. It's like the best feeling in the world. Yeah. So. Like, you can have five. You can have five of my dollars just for saving me on that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know you play a whole bunch of different formats in the NFBC. So I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on which ones are your favorite. Uh, for me, the main event by far. It, right. It's it is the main event, but <laughs> it's the format I'm most comfortable with because I've played 15 team for. 25 years uh, actually my original home league was 17 or 18 teams so the 15 teams is just where i'm comfortable at um i also draft that team the latest so i'm also the best prepared for it right um good point but yeah so i'll use the draft champions as prep get comfortable with the player pool try different things but the main event is the league that i look most forward to every year uh, I've done the Sunday morning in New York City, uh, mm-hmm. except for last year, uh, the previous four years, and it's a lot of the same guys. So it almost had that home league feel. So that that was something different also in it, where you had probably seven to nine of the same guys each year returning. So that that was a, a, a good time. It's just a good, fun thing to do, and I highly recommend coming to New York City to do it. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's great you said that. No one has told me that yet about the experience of live draft how if you know you even like you said if you get seven or nine guys you know that still feels like you're still like a home draft so that's awesome yeah, good. yeah. That's, i'm glad you said that that's great that's a good point that's so you finished 33rd overall in 2017 and you didn't even win your league nope how i've never f- won a main event i finished second place three times second place three times yes oh that's that's still like great though that's i mean that's yeah. Because considering the competition too, but how, how, I mean, what was the um, differential in, in those three? Were they close if, or? If I remember correctly, uh, none of them were particularly particularly close. Okay. Um, I think the, the 33rd overall, I want to say I was 12 or 14 points out of first still. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but I was also pretty much locked into second for a while. So it was just, could I make a push into that top? 17 or 18 whatever they pay as as an overall but didn't quite get there that year it's um yeah like i said when i was looking at your 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 previous years play you know he's just you're you're consistently landing in the top three and i was just like it's really impressive you know that and just to be in that area consistently it takes 
really, um, you know, a, a vast knowledge of the game, but also like the approach. A lot of luck. You know? Let's be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of it because we're we're wrong a lot, but I, I feel like that's you know that's that's still a very you know impressive feat to keep going at the competitive leagues and consistently coming out and um you know top three you know so for the main event um walk me through how you prepare for that do you have like a particular strategy when you're picking your kds slot and you know how do you how do you value you know your players or how do you rank your players per se you have to give me the secret ingredient no i I have no secret the secret (laughs) is i read as much as i possibly can and i try to pick up every last tidbit i can and I actually start making notes in my phone from September or October the year before. And I just keep adding to them, whether I'm listening to a podcast, whether I hear something listening to a game in spring training or in the playoffs. But when it, comes to the main, when it comes to the main event, I'll sit down and I'll look at the ADP. And, well, assuming I, I get a KDS spot, let's start there. I'll look at my first three to five picks and I'll try to figure out where I'm most comfortable. Perfect example this year. I don't love the fifth round. So I've set my KDS late and I've hated it. I set it early for the one we're currently doing actually that, and I liked it better. So what I'll do then for the main event is I'll try to map out exactly what I'm looking at and then what my fallbacks are in the first three or four rounds in 20. 18, I actually got my first five picks exactly how I mapped it out, which was great, wow. except I didn't win the league, so it didn't matter. <laughs> but I, I'll try to base that KDS over based on starting pitching. I, I think it was 17. I wanted the ninth slot because I wanted Scherzer, and I wound up getting Scherzer to start, start my team. So it, it'll be based on pitching, and it'll be based on who I can target in that third, fourth, and fifth round as well. You know, it, it gets harder, right. but, you know, the fifth round, like I said this year, to me, it's, I want a closer in the fifth round, or there's not much more I'm really interested in. I, so It's, I feel the same way. And I feel like if I do any type of auction, like I know they have a couple of those $150 auction um, DCs, um, I feel like I'm not going to, whoever is part of that fifth, like even fourth and the fourth, fifth, Sick type of round. I'm not those guys. I'm not bidding on. I'm like not even. It's gonna be awesome not to have to pick them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. An auction. It's gonna yeah. be good to maybe say I can skip all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't really found one that I say. Oh wow, I really like this guy. This would be the guy. I don't care if I got to jump him up. You know, twenty right. thirty spots. That that hasn't been that one guy. But for the main event, you know, by the time we get to March, we have a little bit different opinions on players also. So you might start saying, all right, you know what? I feel more comfortable with this guy, but he's going to go at the beginning of the fifth round. So I better set my KDS for an early first round pick. Or he's going to go in the sixth round, but I'll I'll take him in the fifth. So I I can get away with a later round. So, but it's the main event. So nothing goes according to ADP anyway. So. Right, right. I won that in my first main event this year. It was uh, very uh, <laughs> uh, an expensive learning experience, but it was well worth it. You know, what, well worth. What was so different to you for about it? Um, I felt that, uh, like you said, the ADP was where I thought I was going to set the min picks on three guys. That you know, because it was the next 
the last day. Uh, actually, no, it was the Friday or Saturday. So it was still a couple, you know, drafts to go after that days of drafts. But um, I was looking at the ADP and I had some, I had some targets and it was three of them where I was like, all right, I'm going to set the min pick on all three of these guys. And someone beat me to all three of the guys, you know, and I had, a, I had another plan in place, but my brain wasn't, my brain was like, like mad and it took over my, you know, my focus a little bit. So, but, um, and I feel like uh, I went away from my close, like my usual, my usual closer strategy. Cause I kind of like uh, bought into the, I need to get one. So I fell into that. It was a mistake. And then um, I feel like the, the fabbing, you know, was uh, a point where I learned I need to be better at because. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that. I saw one of the questions. We'll get yeah. to that. And, and- yeah. How Fab is just a killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. So yeah, the walk me through the cut line league because I I saw you have a nice string of first place yes. finishes there. So thank you. Yeah, that was um, really impressive. Um, just to be just, just to go over the format real quick for any of the listeners that may not know what the cut line is. Can you briefly describe how the cut line formula works? Yep, it's points based. Uh, uh, Todd Zoller, I believe, helped set it up. So when the cut line first went out there, I tried to read up on what he was talking about it also. So that mm-hmm. it's eight points for wins. It used to be six points for saves or right. four points yep. for saves. Then they made it six points. Strikeouts are two, I think, and innings pitch wins. One and a half. Right. And then, right. Yeah. So basically it mirrors five by five, though. So what and it's I a best ball type of format, right? Correct. Optimal correct. scoring? Okay. Optimal scoring, two fab periods. So That's interesting. See, yes. I did one of them last year, and it was like the athletic. It was part of like the athletic yeah. subscriber. I, one. I did that one also. Yeah, and I won it. I was super excited. So I. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I feel good about that. But um, I, the first fab period, I, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, man, I, it was so bad. Because of the way the season was also. Right, right. Right. So yeah, again, that first fab par- period is usually like the second week of the season. Yeah. So if, if you draft early, okay, that first fab period is going to be real important for you. It, I, if I remember correctly, most of my cut lines, I pretty much drafted late March. So that first fab period, I tried to hang on to money because I figured if I can stay relatively healthy the first two weeks of the season, I will have that money for when I need it for the stretch run. Right. So, and the luck factor of staying healthy, obviously, in a best ball. You, I think last year, the year before, I wound up not having a catcher in, in one of my best balls because both my catchers got hurt and I didn't have a replacement. So, gotcha. Gotcha. But the, the, the mirroring of five by five for me, just I prep the same way, basically. And I'll try to find pockets of players where. Well, I convert all my um, projections to points using yes. that formula. Okay. So I'll, I'll do that, and then I'll look, and I'll say, all right, after the sixth catcher, it's a wasteland. So I better get one of those six catchers so I'll have that advantage over the other teams. And it's the same object, obviously, in five by five. But in the points, when you're getting negative numbers now, literally, right. from, from the, the wasteland of catcher, I would try to make sure that I – got one of those last guys before the heavy drop off in, in each position but it doesn't always work obviously 
Right, right. It's like a like the uh, the value of a replacement type view, right? Yeah, like seeing the 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 difference in points. Like, so maybe an outfielder in a second base might be projected for like a similar amount of points, five hundred fifty points for the year. You see that, you know, the replacement level for each position. If if it's greater at second, and and you're looking, like you said, you know, whoa, here's the cliff. Like, there's a seventy point cliff to the next guy. You know, right. I should take this guy here. Right, I'll take that second baseman because the, the cliff at, at outfield might only be 12 or 13 right. points in the next game. Hey, I may like the outfielder better, but I don't want to fall off that cliff at another position. So you'll jump onto that and hopefully, you know, be able to still grab an outfielder that will be at least close to the one you passed up on. Right. Is there is there any difference between, like um... – like I, I, I guess taking step in because I know you said you're just trying to take the old boring guys. Is it still the same play there, or yes. like yeah, yes. still the same way? So just rack up, things, rack up yeah, volume. One, one of the things I'll try to do, and I know I had a conversation. I think it was with Phil and a couple other guys right before you guys did your draft, or maybe even during your um, best ball draft. I actually have targeted the multi-positional guys. I think it just gives your lineup more options. Yes, you may not use player X that many times. But for me, I've found it gives you so many more options. If you have two or three of those guys that are multi-positional to, to set an optimal lineup every week, right. it may not come every week, but at least there's options for an optimal lineup each week that you may not have. Right. And I've tried and to avoid the UT players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you can only use them in one spot and that really you know limits you then. Hundred percent on the rest of your lineup, especially when you don't have to make the actual like lineup change yourself. And the multi additional guys, they'll find the spot naturally. You know, yeah, that's a that's a big edge. I like that, definitely like that. And so yeah, so the cut line league, I think I'm gonna have to get into one now, a non athletic one, and um, <laughs> yeah. and give it a you know, and give it a run because it's pretty cool. I really like that. Um, I know, I believe. Um, I think his name is Curtis Jones, right? Cujo. He plays yeah. in a, yeah, he yeah. plays in a, he really he likes to, yeah, yeah. I got to get him on to talk about that too. Yeah. Cause he loves that. He loves that for, I know a lot of people love it. And um, so you mentioned Zola. Um, do you, do you, um, is like a master's ball part of your uh, toolbox? Last year was the first year I subscribed to master's mm -hmm. ball, but um, Rotowire is a, a definite for me. I've right. subscribed yeah, for years. Baseball HQ which to me is still the gold standard for what I look for. I, I love too. HQ. Yeah, I, I just, I love what right. they do. They, the format's good. The, the fact, what is it? Fact or fiction or the facts fact, and fact flukes. Or and, fact, yeah. I, yeah. I facts and flukes. Right. Yeah. Facts yeah. and flukes. And uh, yeah, that's a great column. Just what I, I like their mindset and how they, how they explain things and how um, it's just, it's just set you up with a good way to um, implement your own things, you know, like, and never try to convince you that what they're doing is, you know, not going to be wrong, but it's like, here, here's what it's showing you, you know, formulate something on your own. And I think that helped me too. It wasn't so like, this is what, these are the ranks and this is the way it should be. It was like, here, here's the toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. You, you know, now, now, now you go to work with it. And I think that right. helped me advance at, you know, as a player, because when I started to do that, it forces you to do your own, you know, like more into, you know, just really crank into it and say, okay. And you dive deeper and it's just, it gave me a good process. 
Just the biggest yeah, they, thing. They, they definitely give you, the like you said, they give you the tools and you, you got to work with them now. You, right. you got to dig in a little bit. And I'm not a huge researcher in that regard. I won't spend hours trying to figure out why this spin rate was what it was and w- what a batter's average is against us. But I'll read that article or that report and take my little tidbits. I think Matt was even saying something about this. You got to be comfortable with what you use in your toolbox. Right. And that's, that's exactly right. I, some of it's completely above what I even try to use, Right. but HQ for the most part allows it to stay on that level where I'm comfortable with it. And that's my main go-to. Right. And like you said earlier, I, I'm, I wrote this down, I meant to ask you about it, but you're, I like that whole thing that you mentioned about just constantly like taking notes and keeping either I'll do the same thing and keep like a running Google doc. And then I'll have like notes elsewhere. And I think you're just giving yourself like all these little snapshots of, of, and then, and I have, I'm the way, like when I write it down or type it somewhere, like I kind of automatically remember it, like, like a photographic type of, you know, like, Oh, okay. Then it stays in your brain a little easier. You'll remember it by writing it down or typing it right so much more than you will just hearing it in a podcast. Right. What I'll, what I'll do then is I'll incorporate all of those notes into my draft software and it'll be right in front of me on draft day. So even if I forget something, it'll literally be right in front of me. That's amazing. That's a great, that's a great little insight. I think that, so basically like, it's like, it's like a running mining the news that like Jeff, Zimmerman yeah. does right you know it's just constantly finding that edge and in information you know and as long as none of it is overload because what I think when it's more of news and little like things you want to remember it doesn't become overload as like trying to decipher you know 15 different projection systems or something like you know in that matter where it's too much you know 100% sometimes less is more and, and that's so uh, true absolutely absolutely I, t- I totally agree with that Totally agree with that. So, ah, so we got a little DC draft going on right now. Yeah, Steve. not so bad, right? I'm, I hope little... I'm not on the clock, am I? <laughs> got to check. You got to check. Oh, I was like, no, I just, I just picked like three oh, picks okay. ago. Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Jimenez. Oh my god. <laughs> you're up. You're up in two, two picks. You got um Wingle and then Justin Mason, and then you're, and then uh, you're up. Uh, ho- hopefully, Justin's taking a nap again. Oh. <laughs> You know what I? You know I messaged, you, I messaged him last, uh, the other day when he was on the clock. I said, "Hey, bud, you're on the clock, and like you did for me today, actually, because I was out and about." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I took a nap and I set my cue, but I just forgot to put me on order." Right. Yeah, uh, that uh, happens. That happens a lot too. It's no big deal. So, yep. um, let's go through the like your first five picks. Did you talk about okay. your first five? So. Tell me your approach. Tell me if you landed the guys that you were going for. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I set my KDS for four as my top pick and I got my top pick. Nice. So yes. Uh, hopefully I don't use up all my good luck in KDS in January. <laughs> but yeah, I think my let my first KDS last year, I, I landed my top choice also. So we'll, we'll see. But, um, I was kind of expecting one of the top three pitchers to go and, and top two in the first three picks, either the Grom or Cole, they didn't. So I had to suffer through Juan Soto, which I was totally okay with. I love Juan Soto. 
yeah, there's, there's not much not to like. He right. literally gives you everything. I, I can't imagine, unless he's hurt, being disappointed with what he's, his output's going to be. For, for, a boring, for a boring drafter like me, he would be the perfect fit. So, <laughs> so I'm not against taking a pitcher, but I, here I was hoping to, to land a starter with my second pick and into the second round. I got who I was hoping for, either Castillo or Flaherty, and I wound up with Flaherty. I so. like it. I like it. Um, definitely a big topic of discussion, you know, because of what – he endured during the short season, um, but I'm willing to bank that he's, you know, that that 2019 was so, you know, so short ago to me. You know, it was like, right, it's it's not that far away. And, um, you know, they went through a pretty – everyone went through a really wacky year, but the Cardinals seemed like they, they ate it a little more than normal, right? Cardinals had a rough year, and Flaherty had a, a rough start up. You know, he, he, they held him out and he wasn't really throwing. So I don't know if there was an issue with him working out while they were shut down, but we were talking about HQ before I caught one of Ryan Bloomfield's boards and mm. which are fan, fantastic. And he actually had Flaherty in there. And if you took out his one start against Milwaukee, he wound up with a 313 ERA for the year, even in his bad, bad. 2020. So, you know, his strikeouts were steady. Uh, strikeout percentage was steady. The ground balls were up a little bit. I, I'm not too concerned with Flaherty, and yeah. I, I wouldn't I'm be more more concerned about Kershaw and Scherzer. So I was, you know what, you, you must have read my mind. I was going to ask you what what your feelings were on them in general, because um, I know I, I know Scherzer. A lot of people are staying off, and my first kind of view was maybe to stay off, and I think it still is now, but. Where he's land, like where you know that was really like at the start of two and the mid of two, but now like the end of two and maybe the start of three. I I guess it gets a little like more tempted, you know. Yes, one hundred percent. And he's a see you in March pitcher for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and and I think there's a lot of us that feel that way. And if he looks great in March, guess what? He's not going to be at the end of two, beginning of three. He's going to be at the end of one, beginning of two. So. I, I, I'll be okay if that happens. I'll, I went with the guy I thought today in January would be the better of the two. Uh, Kershaw's back still worries me over 162. The Dodgers have no reason to push him. They need him for the playoffs. Um, yes, he went to driveline. His velocity was up last year, but will it hold up over 27, 28, 29 starts? Not sure. And I'm also of the belief, I don't know that he's going to keep that you know, spot in the rotation without a couple of mystery DL spots, right. you know, because the Dodgers are perfect for that. You know, right. they, they, there's no reason to push him. Right. So if you're replacing your second round pick for a couple of weeks already, I'm not so keen with that. And it always happens on a Monday night, they announce he'll miss his Tuesday start and you're mm. screwed for the week anyway, because your lineup already locked. So right. it was just not something I was really looking to do with my second pick. Gotcha. And then on the on the three, you went Mr. Tim Anderson. I have way too much Tim Anderson already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't I been able to get him. Leagues. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I think I do. But it's a it's a pick for a 2020 player on a great lineup. Uh, he, he should score 105 runs in his sleep. Um, he'll give you 
the 20 home is, he'll probably give you upper teens stolen bases. And between him and Soto, I, I think it should hold my average if I wanted to go in a different direction later on in the draft and draft a lower average player. Um, Good point. Seems like for whatever reason, he continues to be able to hit at that level, even though we all say, oh, well, those balls on play got to lower that batting average. Well, his batting average has been steady for two years in a row now. So. Yeah, it seems like he established his own baseline for himself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Will he hit 330? Probably not, but could he hit 295 to 305? I'll, I'll take that. Right. And 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 as we know from our good friend in the forecast of baseball HQ, right? The old the difference between 249 and 272 is a hit every week. other yeah. And something like that. I, I hit every other week. And it's yeah. when yeah, when you really think about it like that, it's like wow, you know, uh it's so you know, 330, 300, 300 is still pretty damn good in this day and age. So yeah. I think the, I think the league average is down to like 250 now, right? It, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah. yeah it, it's, 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 I like the that guys pick. that can hit the guys that can hit for average, like Soto and, you know, all your top players that, that hit 320 plus, they really allow you to have some leeway in batting average later on in the draft. So, right. Um, so then, Come back around to you um, at the end of the fourth round, and you got the a, a guy who just got an improved ballpark effect. Actually, Derek Hardy, I saw his tweet that he went from the fourth um, least favorable park to the most favorable park, and that is Mr. Carlos Carrasco of the yeah, New well, Yeah. How do you feel uh, about that back. now? I, I had spoken to Steve Cohen about a week ago. He said they were working <laughs> on it. <laughs> no, um, there, there wasn't many other options at that point. I remember I debated Max Freed, um, but I, I didn't think I was going there. Um, they, they, what we were saying earlier about the, the end of the fourth through the fifth and sixth, there's not a lot of options that I say, wow. I actually strongly consider taking George Springer there and going to the fifth round and take a starter there. But at the end of the day, I just said, let me take the best pitcher on my board right now, who I think after he came back from the leukemia last year, it showed pretty much he was the same pitcher as he was two years ago. So right. I, I, I'm fairly comfortable. And obviously I didn't know about the bump to the Mets, but that worked out in my favor, obviously. Yeah, no, I like that. I think nothing wrong with Carlos Carrasco. Uh, he's, as steady as they come with, you know, skills that I feel like are, are pretty stable, you know? Um, yeah. So that, so you started off four picks, Soto Anderson, two pitches and Flaherty Carrasco, and then you rounded it out with a closer as yeah. your fifth pick. Is that, so you went Liam Hendricks in five right after um, actually a role this Chapman. So I would ask you if Chapman was there, <laughs> as a Yankee um, fan, <laughs> as a Yankee fan, I would say I probably would have taken Chapman, but not mm -hmm. as a Yankee. Fan. Am I answering that? Uh, <laughs> only because we know today he has the job, right? Yeah, you know, of course. If, if Hendricks, if Hendricks signed um, with the Mets, and we didn't know who the closer was going to be, and it was up in the air, oh, he'd I be the closer all day. If I, what's closer. that? I said he'd be the closer. I, I think so too, but yeah. at least it would be murky. Right. No, no, um, you're right. Right. It would be like, maybe, well, you know, he's, we need another guy this night and why go back to back. Right. It would definitely be a little less um, of a concrete role for him, but I feel like 
wherever he's going to go, he's going to be the guy. I, I, I strongly right? think that way. Yeah, and, I mean, and if he's a closer, he's my top closer on the board. You know, if he's closing for somebody. So to get him as the second closer, sure. Why not? I like it. I like it. So um, tell me about your favorite picks after that. So after the fifth round, maybe highlight a couple of the picks that maybe you were surprised to get at a certain ADP or a certain guy that you really like, I'm going to get this guy at this part of the draft. Austin Meadows. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be able to grab him, I think it was in the seventh round, yeah, right around seventh round. 94, 95, something like that. Um, after seeing where he was going last year, I actually opened up my forecast up from last year to just read what they said about him going into 2020, because I don't know how you have been. I'm sort of taking 2021 a grain of salt. Uh, mm-hmm. It's there, but if guys had a skill set, I'm trying to not overweigh 2020 because it was a crazy year. We have no idea. For all we know, both his parents had it and he was worried about them or he had an injury right. that didn't get reported because the beat writers weren't at, at the field every day. True. So I'm trying to take 2020 with a grain of salt. Um, forecaster, if I remember correctly, from last year said he could be a first round pick this year. Right. So to be able to grab him in the seventh round, sure, why not? Absolutely. And that's, it's funny you mentioned grabbing last year's forecaster because I'm totally doing that. I've been reading, as I've been reading my player boxes, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know, um, the baseball HQ, baseball forecaster comes out of here. They're famous for their player boxes, which is pretty cool. They they limit themselves to about 60 characters, uh, 60 words of a player write-up, and they throw in, you know, their most go-to metrics to follow um player skills and I've been reading in back-to-backs if there was a guy that not everybody but a lot a lot of guys I've been reading both years I read it this year and I read last year's and then just like where you're trying to take the difference between stats I'm also trying to take the difference between um you know how everyone else was viewing these guys just a short time ago you know absolutely that's huge and perception is what drives ADP a lot of times you know with you'll look at numbers and you'll be like, well, that guy's not much different than the guy I get three rounds from now, but everybody's talking up player X. Uh, you know, you're on Twitter as much as I am. You say it. It's a lot of the hot names get pushed up higher and higher. And if we could take a step back and see where we were last year, especially after such a crazy short year, I'm like I said, I dug mine out and it's not going away until after the drafts this year, because I think it's almost as valuable as this year's. Great point. Great point. I think that's something definitely awesome that you brought up because I feel the same exact way. And it's there. That book is just, it's so worn up anyway. It's so beaten up. Uh, It's like blood all over it. And (laughs) some of the words I can't read it. It's highlights everywhere and tabs. And it's like, it's, it's like a mad science project. <laughs> I actually printed out the PDF this year. I saw that. I it's saw that. Easy, it's easier to make notes that way. So, right. So I, it's yeah. in a binder and it, you can write all over it. It's flat. It's just easier to make notes. I, I think that will be my new go-to way of doing it and keep the other one nice and clean. That's a great idea. And and you could kind of take the just the player pages with you. I kind of went with the... Um, I had it on the PDF form and I was just actually highlighting on the iPad, like using okay. my, using the Apple pencil to, and it was, it was actually pretty cool because um, I didn't have to use any messy highlighters. 
Um, <laughs> and the pencil did everything. Like it was three different colors and then the fine highlighter. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And I was making notes, uh, like, you know, with, as I would normally make notes, but it's just something about pencil and paper, you know, that I just, it's just such a draw. And I'm like, well, I have all this stuff and I'm using it and it's working fine. And my notepad just looking at me all mad at me. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> right? I know. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah. it just, never... yeah. And, and you, you make your notes in different colors and all of that. But when, <laughs> when I, whenever I'm reading something online, I'll copy and paste it right into my notes and then print those out and have those and be able to scribble all over those again. And, yeah, you know, that and then that goes into my draft software, and it, it's it's there for me to constantly review. I think that's um, that might be something that people are going to start doing. I feel like that's a that's a really that's a really cool pro tip right there. The Rotolab software, which I know Vlad Sedler always, you know, promotes it. I, I can't say enough about it. What it, is it, it called, Steve? Rotolab. Oh, Roto Lab, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I have, and, and yeah, yeah. It's it's so easy. It's a spreadsheet. That's all it is. Yeah, right. I'm not a computer guy. It's I'm actual like... software. Just like, yeah, get that. Yeah, it's actual yeah. computer software. It's it's pretty good. It has, and I like it too because it's it's HQ's, you know, landed on it, and mm -hmm. you can you can manipulate it however much you want. You can look however at. You want different play evaluation to have sgp on there if you're a guy who like likes to do that and it has for me it's got the ron chandler babs incorporated into it yep. so i just love using that and it really is um an awesome and 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 merv i don't know you know merv, oh, he, merv pate shout out to merv pate for roto lab yeah. that guy is amazing <laughs> you, you can email him at 12 30 at night with a question and he, and he answers it and it and doesn't matter what month it is. He just answers it immediately. <laughs> I'm like ready to put my, like, shut my email down. And it, it, it's like, wait, well, hold on a second. He responded now, like waiting to, you know, get yeah. an answer in the morning, you know? And yep. I'm like, makes me go back to my computer. But yeah, that's a, yep. that's, yeah, that's a great, that's a great program. If anyone's looking for a good, you know, solid draft tracker um, to use, um, awesome. Totally awesome. I think with your baseball, if you have a baseball HQ subscription it's it's yeah. a, discount. a discount yeah. yeah yeah but it's still worth it either way um so tell me okay so i wanted to ask you about oh will smith um eighth yeah. round will smith um he was the third catcher off the board after my jtr in round three and tobe uh bathrobe crazy um salvador perez in round five you went with mr will smith in round eight which i think was pretty good so how do you feel about Will Smith this year? I know everyone's talking about the playing time, but I think what he can do in the limited playing time is still very valuable. I, I think in that lineup with that team, yes, he is he going to play like Salvador Perez and Real Muto? No, but no, no catchers play like that. Right. So so now we're we're talking about per game. Is he the third best catcher? It it's up for debate. I actually had those as one of my least favorite picks after seeing where Contreras went because I actually debated the two and Contreras went like 19 to 20 picks later. And to me, there's not a huge difference between the two of them. Um, we'll, see where Wilson, we'll, right. we'll see where Wilson Contreras maybe ends up. Right, true. Um, because it looks like he might be on the move. But I wanted one solid catcher at least. You know, 15 teams, two catches, no pickups. I don't want to be scrambling for two catcher spots. So I wanted to lock in one. Uh, I think the power is real. 
I, I think I'll get 20 homers out of him. May only get 50 runs scored because I don't see him batting high enough in that lineup to really, you know, score much more than that. But compared to everybody else in the catcher pool, I thought he gave me a decent enough average not to hurt me. And why not take the shot on, on a Dodger lineup that you know is going to be good? Right. Right. I. I like Will Smith. He seems like he's, uh, you know what I read too. It, it was interesting when they were talking about them possibly be interested in JTR and it was like, Oh, he, you know, they could play Will Smith on third on some days, like he did when he was in the minors. And I was like, wow, can you imagine that eligibility? Yeah. Catch, catch <laughs> in third yeah but it's Smith. the Dodgers. They'll still only play 100. <laughs> right. It's still only playing 100. Um, so um, you waited for second base. I see second base was the last spot you 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 addressed right in your in your bat, your starting bat. Um, well, you know you didn't fill out your outfield, obviously, but your it was your first second baseman in round fourteen. Um, you went with Mister Profar. Yes. What, um, what kind of I, I don't is that a normal I strategy? Round, I don't know which round it was. I had a second baseman um, queued up, queued up, and he went couple of picks before or whatever so i just decided to wait um you had a segura right before you and Solak two rounds it, before that S- where segura was definitely i would have taken segura over um profar i do like profar i actually had profar on a couple of teams last year um he's solid hit double digit homers um 10 steals just depends where he's gonna land you know right. that that's i don't love the pick um, I would have, like I said, I would have taken Segura. Not that I think Segura is much different, but Segura is on a team with a job that we we know where he is at least. Mm-hmm. So, and that goes back to being boring and not trying to take too much risk. Um, but that wasn't. I don't like waiting that long usually for a starting position like that. Gotcha. Um, so, tell me about some of your. You know, actually, I'm looking and I see that you got a Medvazario on the 24th. I round. did. So, so now a possible playing time. Um, guy goes into maybe a possible full time around 24 and a return to 15 15, like lock maybe at round 24 is looking pretty good for you. That would be nice, especially if you yeah. play second for the Indians. I could slide him right into second base then. Wow, yeah, definitely go pick up. What are some of your other um favorite picks in this draft? Um, I, I, it's funny because I loved how I started out, I, I was looking at it, uh when we we talked and then right after um i guess hosmer i didn't realize i didn't really like too many of the pitchers after that for a while and i wound up taking musgrove after hosmer because well let's get back to hosmer for one second Mm -hmm. he is i mean i think matt was talking about him last night also he was i'm getting a whole bunch of hosmer lately this is great And, and i think we we may have even talked about this offline just having a piece of that lineup and, and the guys that are, that are going to be around him, you know, he's going to play. What's going to really differentiate him from the guys going two or three rounds earlier. Not much, but, um, right. I, I, and last year it was a shortened season. He did start lifting the ball a little bit more. So, and he hits the ball hard. So can, can he hit 20 homers? I don't see why not. Now, if he hit 20 homers in that lineup, you're, you're looking at 90, 95 RBIs. I'll take it right. from that spot. Yeah, and, and he's, he's going to chip in probably five base because everybody runs on San Diego. That's the thing. He He's boring. 
I mean, let, let's be realistic, but he's the definition of boring. You, <laughs> you give him his 600 plate appearances, the counting numbers are going to be there just in that lineup. So that that's you know, the old boring pick, but you're just locking in the numbers. So the more numbers you can lock in in the D.C., especially to me, the the better off your overall chances are of at least being competitive in your league. As Absolutely. for as for some of the picks I don't like, um, pretty much everything else. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> I I loved David Price last year, and this is my 2020 leaking into uh, 2021. I loved Price last year. Mm-hmm. I just I have a sneaky suspicion he may sit out again. I I, I was actually going to take him two rounds earlier than I think I did, or at least a round earlier than I did, and I just have a sneaky suspicion he may sit out. I don't, I haven't read it anywhere. Uh, you know, last I heard, he said he was coming to camp, but I have a sneaky suspicion. I may regret that pick. And I have him, I think in three out of four leagues now. So I bet, I better stop drafting him, I guess. <laughs> if you have that, if you have that little thought in your head, it might not no, be. It only, came, it only came in after, uh, during this draft. The first two, I was like, ah, there's no way he's sitting out again. You know, and it, who's, who's giving up all of that money. But um, I don't know. I, I, think maybe dave roberts came out and said he wasn't sure if he was coming back so maybe it's just manager talk who knows but uh it, it, it puts a thought into my head 10 mil for like 60 games last year. i know i know i know i wish i could do that yeah good for oh. him if he could just i'm not, i'm good I'm good guys uh yeah. least, he came out and goes i invested well <laughs> god bless him good for him yeah. um yeah, I wound up with probably a couple free agents too many on this team. I guess that's what I don't like about it. I um, did it too, Steve. I did that too. Uh, it's way too many. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, I, like, I mean, uh, I, it's it's not like guys who I feel like are are gonna go into a situation where they're all of a sudden, you know, platooning. Like um, my top Ashley Bauer, you know, no big deal. Will Muto. Um, but then, you know, Semien and Rosario, I took him back to back rounds, but like Rosario was in round 10. I'm like, nobody right. wants 30, 90. Like he's right. gonna, he's gotta, he's gotta get, and, he's, he, got, and he's going to hit 270. So it's not even like he hurts you anyway. And he may run if he winds up on a team other than the twins, he may actually run. Right. Yeah, well, well, he may go five for 10 in stolen bases, but you'll take the five bags either way. I went multi-eligibility crazy in this league, too. I saw I that. <laughs> I, I saw that. Yes, you had like four or five of them. DJ, so- I got McNeil and Cronenworth. I went hard early with the uh, – and it's funny because, like, last year, I saw a lot of value late in, in the multis. But this year, I kind of saw it, like, earlier where I was like, you know, I want to get these guys. And um, so I'm happy with it, though, you know? like. Wait. Even a guy at the end, like in round 29, a little Adam Frazier, 500 at bats, second in outfield. You know, I feel like in a DC is the guy where, you know, he's going to get into your lineup, you know, and when you need him, when you need that depth. And you look around, it's like, all right, this guy's going to have 30 at bats for the first, you know, couple of days of the week. I'm in, you know, so. Finding at bats at that point in the draft is what it's all about. And uh, yeah. it's, it's so hard to feel the full team with, no reserve with no free agent moves all year that those at bats in round 28, 29, 30, 31. If you're, if you're finding four or 500 at bats, those are gold right. and, and double and double position eligibility. You're covering yourself, you know, in two different spots. So kudos to you. I think I got Joey Wendell as yeah. a multi-positional, but I, I think that, that might, 
that might have been my only one. Um, yeah. I, well, I and no, you got more win later on. Oh yeah, yeah. In the yeah. same round, they're twenty nine. It's uh, same round. I got a Frazier. That's you know, still a guy though that you know he he'll find the field at when you need that Friday to Sat uh to Sunday. You know third baseman and he just happened right. to be you know right facing when, when third lefties. Baseman, yeah yeah when your third baseman tweaks something you're like uh my other two guys are already on the dl it's more when no one all right well you, you'll be happy to get two games out of them absolutely weekend, so. absolutely so yeah this is this has been a good draft this is my second one of the year um my first one was early in november so um it, it's it's fun i'm i'm like ready to get into more right off the bat but you know i'm gonna be smart i think the two at once would be too much on my brain because i i just don't i i would love to do it and i probably would have something going on at, at the same time sometime between now and the start of the year but i feel like it's better to just concentrate you know on the one team finish you know i just wish there was more like i'm ready to do the express you know like right. i i don't the two hours is nice. I'm the four and then the two, you know, like or the two and then the one. Um, it, it, it's definitely cool because, you know, it does give you time if, you know, you've got some time and you just, you know, get back into researching um, and it's fun. But at times I'm just like, you know, I'm the type that I I don't go to sleep until like two o'clock because mm. I want to see I want to like I want to enter everything into my spreadsheet so that in the morning I'm waking up and I'm not catching up, you know, right. it's a little yeah, bit I, of a, it's a little bit of like a brain thing for me. It's like one of my life hacks. I tell people like, don't leave dishes in the sink at night, you know, like, cause you don't want to wake up in the morning and start going backwards. You know, it, it's one of my pet peeves at work. You don't leave work for the next day because right. you don't know what the next day is going to be. Start fresh. And it's the same concept. No, you don't so. work in a carpenter's union then, Steve. Nah. <laughs> 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 uh, it, it's boy. funny, though. I think, you know, one of the things you were saying about entering everything and, and you wanted to do a DC, I actually think that's one of the reasons why I don't do as well in the DCs. I, I like getting into the rhythm of the draft and feeling the room, feeling how things are going and I don't always feel like that's a possibility in the DC because you're working during the day. A lot of times it, it'll come on to me and I'll be like, Oh, who are the last couple of picks? Okay. I told the last. Meanwhile, there's been 20 guys off the board and I don't always go back and check, you know, Oh, did 12 relief pitches just go? Right. So, right. You know, that, I, I very much a field drafter that it, it's one of the reasons why even in the main event, I never really felt like overwhelmed playing against all these great players and you you know the main event room there's 14 other great owners to me it's always me against the draft board so hmm. whatever is there i'm gonna try to draft based on me not whoever else is in the room and in the dc i don't always get that good feel like that so i'm gonna try to do a few more express yeah i like that that's a great that's a great little snapshot you versus the draft board Hmm. We're getting some getting some good nuggets tonight, Steve. <laughs> listen, the listeners they better be taking their notes like you do. Got that little notepad out and write them down. This is awesome. This is great stuff. So I actually just wanted to tackle some 
many areas of ADP. It doesn't have to be a crazy breakdown of these guys. I I, mm-hmm. I think I sent you some pictures from ADP 200 to 250 right now. So yep. um, just read them out real quick for the listeners. And then you tell me who these guys that maybe you feel comfortable. Because it's just a, a, a wonky spot of pitching. So it's, I know a lot. It's like an area a lot of people aren't you, really getting involved with um, pitchers. So we have guys like Chris Bassett, Gonsolin, um, I'll go through the starters, John Means, Heaney, Eflin, Javier, Jordan Montgomery, Urquidy, Smiley, um, Tyon, uh, Singer, Pineda, Stroman, Manea, Erod, Davies, Ivaldi, and Eliasa Hernandez. Anyone here make you um, excited at all? Well, I've been a Montgomery guy for two years. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe it's a homer pick and it could be, but <laughs> j- just always been something about him that I've always been in on. Um, I love Jamison Tyon. I loved him two years ago when he, uh, before he, I guess it was two years ago, he blew out his elbow now. Right, um, yeah. That second half of the year before that was fantastic. Um, he's got great control. Gets, gets ground balls. Uh, he's he's like 18 months of, out now from Tommy John surgery. That's so the biggest thing for that, me. Right. For me, right. I, I'm not worried about that now. Now, I don't think he's going to throw 185 innings, but I don't think many pitchers are going to throw 185 innings this year. I, I'm putting most of my pitches at 150 to 160 innings. And if I get more than that to me, it's gravy. But I don't, I think these teams are going to baby these pitches, especially the younger ones. So I'm, not too concerned that he's not going to get me 185 innings. So right. I think that's a good point, you know, and it's something I think we talked about with Matt Modica last night. And it's something I've just been finding in my research. It's in the baseball forecasters, showed the distribution of innings from starters and relievers, um, and even the wins from starters and relievers. Obviously, last year was definitely different, different, but it wasn't like the trend started, you know, it didn't start last year, you know, and it just continues to, to get closer to 50, 50 between, you know, innings pitch between starters and relievers. So, you know, maybe you're one guys who throw one fifty, but they're really good innings. You know, they start becoming a little more valuable or a little more uh, okay to say, well, I'm fine with that. Right. You know, I'm, if you give me a choice of 150 good innings, I'll piece the rest of it together. So I'll take the 150 good innings, especially this year, because I, I, don't trust guys. How many guys are going to hit the wall in September? How, how many of us are going to lose championships because our starting pitchers run out of gas in September? Ooh, you know, what, great question. I, 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 I wonder if we're all going to be throwing middle relievers come September because six of our or four of our six or seven starters are gassed and we have nothing left. So great point. I, I'm, I, I'm trying to really – get a feel for what teams plan on doing and nobody's really said much yet. So keeping a close eye on Jeff Zimmerman's mining the news for innings pitched for pitchers. Right. Right. Yeah. I saw the one, the one article he had, uh, the one, the recent mining news with the Brewers coming out saying it's going to be a hundred plus last year. So, yeah. And then he showed the yeah. difference between, um, the 100 plus last year's, and then what they're being projected for now. And you're just saying that we might be a little ambitious, like you're saying, I think we might be a little ambitious in our in- innings pitch projections for this year. Anyone uh, else in this group, Steve? Uh, I like it. I, I'll, I'll 
draft that Flynn, I have no problem taking that Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. Solid control, ground ball rate, swing. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get as many Ks as he showed last year, but even a little pullback in, in the strikeouts, I, I'll draft that Flynn, no problem whatsoever. Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. So um, now we'll look at ADP from 120 to 160. I have some bats here, some outfielders. Another spot that I I, I often struggle with, whether I want to – oh, hold on a second. Before that happens, you're on the clock. Oh, Jesus. Justin Mason uh-huh. just took Jake Bowers. I'm and- sure I'm sure there's um, tons of talent left here at pick 567. 567. You're going to make a nice live on air pick for us? Sure. Um, yeah, it's is... going to be real, real exciting. You know, I'm sure everybody. <laughs> on... What are you looking at right now? Bro? I have no idea. I don't even remember what I took last. That's, I I look at my roster. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's... I mean by I'm not always in the field for. Uh... Your last two picks were Sin Choo Choo and um, Chris Archer and yeah. Chad Green. Chad, I, I like the yeah. Chad Green pick. That was a good right. pick. Goes, I, I tend to do that a little bit in DCs. I'll try to get that high leverage uh, middle reliever. That's great. Try to bring a, a couple of innings, especially if you know you don't like the pitching matchup that week. I think that's uh, so smart. And like you just mentioned, if we're going to be, you know, if guys are going to be missing time and you got a guy like Chad Green coming out of the pen with, you know, four or five solid innings a week with elite ratios, it's, it's solid. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, let's see. I guess I'll go with Jeremy Jeffers. Why not? Ooh, that's a nice one. There you go. Lock it in. Locked it in. Lock it Very in. Very exciting, Jeff. huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you handle uh, these late picks. Yeah. What, what are you look? What are you looking for when you when you pick this late? Are you uh, just so, throwing darts, or? Um, I have. So my like my plan last year in the DC was to win my league, and to mm-hmm. I played to um. Punt saves a little bit. So I picked one closer in round 13, which was Keela, uh, Keona Kayla. And and then I didn't pick another reliever until I picked 25, 26, 27. I picked Presley, Barnes, and Pagan. I went with the next man up, like the next, right. but like all the next best men up. Right. I didn't just like pick one or two. I picked them all. And, you know, I, I, I lucked out with Presley and Barnes, you know, they land. Because Barnes, I kind of felt like with Workman, you know, becoming a free agent, thought they were going to move him and Barnes would just, you know, get a shot at some. And I felt the same way about Presley. You know, he was going to be in the mix with some great ratios. So I tried to like mimic something like that this year um, by waiting. Um, I did something similar. I waited until round 15 and I grabbed Will Smith. And then, so like, I just tried to make it a point to later on again, hammer, you know, like, guys who are just in the range of maybe five to eight saves. So that's what I've been concentrating on the last three or four rounds with like, actually a little deeper than that, but Jimenez and Roan Wick and Wendell King, you know, just guys who, right. cause I, I, I guys think, that Kim, make, 
Yeah, I think Kimbrel's on the move too. Honestly, I think yeah, they're gonna so, try to. I think they're gonna showcase him for a week or two, and I actually think he he's not done. And I think that they're gonna be able to, you know, move him to someone who needs a closer. And I think Wick's gonna step right in for. And like I said, I'm not looking for twenty right here, but if you could just give me eight to ten, and right. I could just, you know, come in, you know, top three or top five in saves. Hopefully, it's enough to, you know. And just max out everything else as much as I can. And, you know, same thing. I'm just trying to look for at-bats. Um, and in pitched at this point, you know, guys like, uh, oh, happy to see G-Man Choi last until around 36. I mean, he might come close to, you know, 460 plate appearances and a pretty pretty good power threat. And Tyler O'Neill in round 35, again, like not – a guy that's going to excite you, but at the time I picked him, he was um, projected for the most at-bats that I had or played appearances, and the average is yucky, but I kind of built that up early. with some Round good... 36, what, what do you expect? Right, and, you know, but, I, you know, I'm seeing 15-7, you know, uh, hyper projection with an ugly average, but uh, he's got that – you know, that pop ability, you know, um, yeah. if it just clicks right, and, and you know, all of a sudden you may wind up with 28 and 11 with a 238 average, but who cares? You got the 28 right. and the 11. Right. So. I don't think that's, uh, you know, crazy, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's all a mix of things what I'm looking for, uh, but mostly trying to see if the best thing available is to go play the appearances or if there's a pitcher that differentiates themselves from other starters. You know, I went with like a guy like Logan Webb. Um, I don't know. He's everywhere I look at 165 innings, it's 160, you know, so okay, you know, round 37. Sure. <laughs> take off, you know, looking for a guy like that. And so last year I took too many prospects, so I'm going to stay away from that, even though I did hit with Javier late and he helped me dramatically. Um, I also took a lot of guys who didn't see the field. And so now <laughs> I, you know, and playing for the first time in a draft and hold, you know, you just learn that, you know, because I'm looking back and I'm like, fucking Bobby Bradley, why am I picking this guy? And, <laughs> you know, so now I'm being smart with that. That's in my mind. Yeah. Um, in my first DC, I didn't take a rookie until my last pick, which was Josh Young. Um, so, you know, uh, if, if a rookie kind of separates himself from, you know, I see a guy like Jeter Downs, I think is a solid guy to take a stab right. at because of, you know, I think the, I don't see competition and his skill set in the minors look pretty, pretty just like major league type ready, you know, just a solid yeah, and every, skill Everything set. seems like he's on the fast track to be getting called up also. Right, right. So I could see a guy like him, but I just got to really, you know, trust the, the skill set. Like last year, I think I was too in on like an Adele and a Carlson. Um, but even though I'm back in on Carlson this year, because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that guy, uh, he came up and smashed the ball in September and in the playoffs. September, he was fantastic. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, you know, it's fun. I love this part of the draft. You know, it's like part of me just wants to draft like draft that are just like third, like round 35 on. 30 <laughs> It's just right, fun. So like... I'm gonna sign up for a couple. I'll do the first thirty rounds. You do the last twenty. That's funny, right? Just do a ta a tandem draft where you right. split up the yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. So yeah, um, 
Okay, so outfielders, 120 yes. to 160. We have Verdugo, Tommy Pham, Eddie Rosario, Edmund with second, third, and short as well. Kyle Lewis, Carlson, Will Myers, Yastrzemski, Loriano, uh, Mountcastle, Varsho, Santander, Robles, Ian Happ, Brantley, Solak, Gallo. So I, I actually have one guy I want to ask you about specifically, and that's right. Ramon Loriano. What are your thoughts on him this year? Um, I don't know how much changed. You know, from last year, I, I know the forecaster said something about his speed diminishing. And, but I don't know how much you take out of a 26 year old speed diminishing after, you know, 54 games or whatever he played last year. I know, um, you know, I, he was going last year at pick 75 ish. Right. You're getting a, you're getting almost a 75 pick discount. I'll take him and shoot for 20 and 15, 20 and 18. Uh, average won't be fantastic, but if you could build that up earlier, I have no problem with him or fam. I think they're almost the same player value wise. Well, we're not allowed to say value anymore. My bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but very, very similar skill sets. Right. And right. what, what the numbers we're going to get in. I think in our draft, they went back to back, which was pretty funny. It is but, pretty funny, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, to me, they're, they're similar. In this um, area, I wouldn't have a problem if I was looking for bags grabbing him. I wouldn't have a problem grabbing Fam or Myers. Um, having a piece of the Padres lineup is not going to be a bad thing this year. Um, I wouldn't have a problem grabbing Jorge Soler in this area if I, if I feel like I'm light on power. Um, he also was a little banged up at the end of last year. Not sure how much that sapped some power before he went on the DL, but 30 and 90 and then a little bit underrated Royals lineup, not out of the question. I don't think seeing that he hit what 46, two years ago. Right. Um, but Loriano fam Myers, I'd take any of them for their 20 and teens bag bags at this spot i think this is a nice spot to grab one of these guys personally like it yeah i like it what about victor robles how do you feel about him if i'm chasing bags sure um i would take probably one of the other guys over him um i know that they, they've beaten to a dead horse how softly he hits the ball and he has like no exit velocity basically right um I, it's, it's also it, more comfortable taking him than like when he was going last two years. Right. Right. <laughs> that, right. And, and that's the thing. You're, you're, you're picking him at pick 150, 160. And he's, what was it? In 19, he went like 17 and 28 or 16 yeah. and 28. Yeah. Okay. Sign, yeah. sign me up. You know, yeah. so even if you give back a couple of the homers and, and he goes 13 or 14 and 25. 25. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm getting 40, Combined homers and RBIs, uh, homers and stolen bases there, I'll take that. You know, nice. But he would probably be the fourth out of those guys. That, gotcha. You know, for me. Nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's an interesting group. I've, I'm constantly looking at this group and seeing – because some guys I'm just, like, completely out on. I have to, like – in my brain, I don't know exactly why. So some of them I'm diving into to see if I should be – in on these guys at these prices more just been I've been drafting our fillers earlier and later and skipping these so that's why I, I, I kind of wanted to see your uh, your thoughts on them yeah I, I have no problem grabbing at least one of these outfielders personally um 
I haven't really been in on the Oriole guys, Santander and Moncastle, um, just because I like other guys better, mainly. I think one of my teams I drafted Michael Brantley basically because I felt like I was okay everywhere, needed a little bit of batting average. So, you know, th- this area has a little bit of everything. If you need batting average, you could grab Brantley. If you need bags, you could grab one of the guys we talked about. If you need the power, you could grab Solaire or even, you know, Eddie Rosario's got 30, 30 homers. I, I think we hey. talked about him earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an interesting group. You, you mentioned Dylan Carlson earlier that you're in on. He's in this group also, which is another 2015 type guy. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, there's like different pockets of specialties here that you can pick your poison with if you're whatever way you need to go, you know? I won't to- be taking Joey, Joe, uh, Joey Gallo out of this group, though. That, that's a hard pass for me. Jerry Callow with a C? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's just one of those guys. It's so hard to take him, you know? Like, you know, maybe, you know, like, I don't know, how is he in your, like, cut line points league? Is there still any difference for him? Is he, does he, does well, he get any bat, type of boost? At-bats cost you points. You know, it's minus one per at-bat. So if he's hitting 200, it, it it's, yeah, the homers are nice, but. Give me somebody that's it's still the same thing. Yeah, that's right because they made it. That's right. They equivalented it to like a loto. Yep. They made it easier to. Yeah, that's. I remember listening to that. Like you said, yep. Todd Zola had a hand in transferring point yep. system or establishing the point system. Yeah, it's putting. Ah, oh, man, Kyle Freeland just went. I was hoping he was last <laughs> back. It's it's horrible when you're rooting for Colorado pitchers to get back yeah. to you. Yeah, I, I, when I they're on the John, road. I, I was looking for John Gray on the hope that he got traded. <laughs> And then somebody grabbed him. I was like, oh, well, next. <laughs> oh, man, these little victories we get in fantasy, yeah. man. All right, so, um, Steve, we have some listener questions um, that on Twitter. So there seems to be a bunch of them. So we'll get right into them. And um, so we'll start off with uh, Edward Turnage at Torpedo Tube, which is a fascinating name. Um, he wants <laughs> to know, which data do you focus on to evaluate starting pitchers? What tools do you deploy as you are drafting a team? Uh, projections, but sheet, sheet of paper and pencil, or something like Roto Lab? And it's funny, you pretty much um, hit on most of those things. Um, but I guess maybe what kind of um, data for starting pitches? I think that's something maybe you could just give a quick little intro uh, on. Yeah, the, like fir- the first thing I look at for pitches is walk rate. If a guy's walking the yard, I'm usually not interested, especially as a. Uh, you know, a core member of my staff um, from there, you know, if it's a passable walk rate, I'll look at strikeout and then ground ball, fly ball and go from there. Um, I, I like looking at some of the uh, ERA, um, like XFIP, Sierra, things mm-hmm. like that, just to, to get a feel on how, um, you know, real, quote unquote, the numbers were from the year before. Mm-hmm. Um Baseball HQ, I think, has uh, XERA also, which is uh, a nice one as well. Right. I like that, too, because they incorporate a bunch of um, things that I think make sense, like the you know contacts and stuff like that, to really put like a good um, overall look at a, a oh, swing, swing and strike rate also. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and obviously, we covered the Roto Lab with Sutane House. Mm-hmm. And of course, we covered the sheet of paper and a pencil for yes. all your all your baseball needs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And we have a question from uh, Hold Steady, Stay Positive at Matthew Freer. He said, do you have a specific or set strategy when going into a draft? And do you ever draft your draft strategy at all if you're familiar with the tendencies of the other people in your league? Um, we sort of touched on that before. Um, I, I tend to try not too much to to pay attention to what who I'm drafting against. To me, that's sort of immaterial. It comes down to who's available on the board when I go. Um, if I'm in an auction, I do tend to pay attention to see if guys have tells. When, you know, like there's one guy in my home league, he tends to put his bidding paddle down when he's reached his point. He's done. That's it. He put it down. So if I want the player, I know I could go a dollar more and he's my guy. So um, That's a, good point. a little easier in auctions for me It is to, right. to read the room. Um, the guy who only throws out the player he wants. Those mm. are always, always fun because you can usually bid those guys up pretty nicely. Yeah. If you know, you know, somebody is really <laughs> into a player. Right. And I think that's, that's definitely something um, like you nailed on uh, for, for an auction league, it's easier. You know, you could definitely, you could definitely find the, you know, my, my home league an auction keeper league. And you got the guy who's paying $20, $20 for his two catches. You know, I, I know that guy and he does it every year and people try to stop him. And he's like, I don't care. I'll go to 25. You know, he's just, that's his thing, you know, and he does the same thing. He gets the three $20 closes every year. It's, you know, Jansen Chapman. And that's just his two major things. And he fills right. it in with rookies, you know, and that, that's his strategy. But, you know, you know, and I think it's funny that some people will, you know, um, kind of like i don't care if you know it i'm still gonna do it right. Some people well, that, that's what makes you guys at a huge disadvantage in my opinion because you guys put a lot of your stuff out there you know i i know some people don't put all of their stuff out there but most of you just put all the players you are in on out there and for the whole world to see and you don't care and it's like these are my guys these are the guys i like and i'm gonna draft accordingly and right. kudos to you guys for for putting <laughs> it out there and then sticking to your guns and putting your money where your mouth is <laughs> thank you thank you it's definitely something new and it's uh you know it's i feel like it's it, it i've learned recently to not be so in, like attached to my players too so uh not my players sorry i didn't mean to say it like well, that but you know the players that i'm rostering on my fantasy team because um i i just try to have more of a you know um that's okay you know my next guy up is can just you know be just as effective in my team build so and not get too attached it's hard to do though definitely hard to do um dusty wagner he wants to know what rounds are the most important to you in a draft it's an interesting question um usually i'll say somewhere between nine and 15 10 and 15 to me that's where you can find the player who can make that big jump to maybe a second or third round player that the following year um, maybe you have a, a guy that has dropped for whatever reason he was hurt the year before and he can regain that form that he had. So somewhere 10 to 15 uh, it, it are the rounds that I think are pretty important, you know, for right. getting those guys that can get you over the hump. Gotcha. Love it. Mr. John Fish, our everybody's friend john fitch is everybody's friend we love john he's the man um he actually has a couple questions 
that we hit on. You want to know your favorite format over at the NPC. You mentioned that being the main event, um, how you got started in fantasy. We found that out too. Uh, pitcher first round. Are you a pitcher in the first round guy or no? And what do you do with closers and draft champions? We kind of covered uh, those, but if you want to hit on it real quick again. Yeah. Uh, I'm open to a pitcher in the first round. I've done it already. Um, in the main event, no, no issue whatsoever. Closer and draft champions. Give me one of the guys that I know right now that have a job after that. I'll take some shots, but there's not many right now that have a job that we know are the closer. So right now, those are the guys I'm most interested in. I'll grab one and figure out the rest. Got it. Uh, Mr. Matty Modica himself. He the reason why it. I play the NFBC, the reason why I play the main event. Is he Maddie? was the guy who got yes. He was the guy who got me into it. We we were talking offline, met on Twitter, talking yeah. offline. He's like, "Come on, you got to do it. You got to do it." My first main event. Who who do I sit right next to? Matty Modica. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I had a pleasure talking to him last night and really get to know him. He's really good, awesome player, and really good dude. Um, he had the he probably had the most important question of the night. I and saw it, and it, it is important. <laughs> it's hot sausage or sweet sausage. I'm a he, dry sweet sausage guy. Ooh, the dry sweet, huh? Yep. All right. All right. I think that's that definitely an acceptable answer. Absolutely. Um, Mr. Dave Swan at the Vithias, he wants to know how many DC do you usually have going at once? <laughs> I loved your answer to that one. One, my brain can't handle anything <laughs> more than that. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. I think we feel the same way on that. And our good friend, Phil Duzel, he wants to know what's your biggest strength and your biggest weakness in fantasy baseball. And he also wants to know how he gets one of his daughters interested in fantasy baseball. Hashtag girl dad. All right. My biggest weakness by far is fab. I am not great at it. I probably don't spend enough time on it. Um, I know guys spend hours until the wee hours of the morning or on Saturday night doing their fab. Um, I'm trying to get better, but fab is by far my weakness. Um, as for getting his daughter into it, my daughter got into baseball real young. Um, we would play in the backyard. She just got into it. She would sit and watch games with me. It was just a natural progression. Hey, daddy, what are you doing? She wanted to draft a team. A couple of those cut line teams that, if you look back, that said evil domination. That was actually me and her drafting together. So, oh, uh, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. She, she's 15 now. So a couple of those were two, three years ago. And I gave her the right of refusal on any pick. And I gave her a couple of her own picks where, you know, I tried to steer her in the right direction. But at the end of the day, she had final say. So Interesting. That's yeah, awesome. We actually, did, we actually did an auction last year together during quarantine uh, Matty Moe was in it as well as a whole John may have been in it also fish I don't remember but it got cancelled after uh, they cancelled out all the fab leaks yeah. so that was her first auction but that was a lot of fun too that's awesome man that's so how does he get her into it involve her have her watch baseball she falls in love with baseball natural step jump to fantasy love it love it that's fantastic I, that's, I think uh, yeah I think we handled it all Steve you made it you made it to the end we made it. We made, we made it, it man. This is great, man. Thank you so much. I think no, thank you. this was so much fun. There's a bunch of awesome, awesome nuggets in here. I can't wait to get it out for everyone to hear. I hope they do what you do and get your, get their notepads out. No, right? let them do what you do. No. You want the big money. Yeah. 
Just say, just go out and, and play. That's the thing, right? You know, like this is something I made it a case to do with with my earnings from home leagues was to go out and I made it, a, you know, a goal. Like I want to play against the best and, um, you know, got, got grateful that it ended up happening the way it did. Obviously, it's like a storybook uh, start to my NFPC career, but, <laughs> you know, it's still tons of stuff to do to get better which is why you know it's great talking to people who play us you know the similar leagues and are successful at it and to just you know see how everyone goes about their business it's really awesome you know uh, this was fantastic and, and seeing somebody win who's also given back to the community which what you're doing is obviously just giving back to the community because people listen myself included and, and we're taking these nuggets from everybody and trying to consolidate them into making us all better players so right. it, it couldn't you. have really happened to a better guy because you're you're putting it right back into the community so thank, thank you. you brother thank you i no, appreciate thank you. that yeah you're welcome this is uh this is it, it's great it's i'm just you know i feel like it's not too difficult just to be kind and like everyone in the communities, everyone's just so great. Everyone's kind and, you know, kicking back support for each other. And, you know, we'll get into some heated debates on, you know, that I kind of just stay out of because I, <laughs> uh, I, I just don't have the brain capacity for those things. Like, like I'll admit it. Listen, is a reason why I like a guy and uh, I could be wrong because in fantasy we're, we're, we're wrong a lot. Right. So <laughs> we are wrong a lot. And, and, I, it's funny because I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better with that. I, I'm willing to, you know, my buddy and I used to literally fight like cats and dogs over players <laughs> and, and to the point where I had no voice after it sometimes. And we haven't had an argument like that probably in seven, eight years now, because it, you know what you like them. Good for you. Go draft them. I'll draft my guy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I Again, Steve, I really appreciate you coming on. Maybe as we get closer to the year, we'll pop on and do another one, you know, just a nice refresher. So, yeah. So um, if everyone wants to uh, follow Steve on Twitter, you want to let them know where your handle is. If they want to get in touch with you and see your fancy memorabilia collection. <laughs> I don't have too many pictures on there, but uh, it, uh, I believe I'm Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N underscore Brun, B-R-U-N-N. You got the old uh, I try to stick to just fantasy uh, baseball, but every now and then I go down a wormhole of other stuff, but mostly <laughs> just fantasy baseball. That's awesome. That's awesome, Steve. I appreciate you coming on again. And um, My pleasure. Cool, man. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Pull Hitter Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one.